My mind's telling me no But my body My body's telling me yes Baby I don't want to hurt nobody But there is something that I must confess is locked up for the next 30 years. Woo! R. Kelly. Hope you don't drop the soap in prison. Get him out. Get him out, R. Kelly. Oh my God. Oh God. I am 24. This is my podcast. <laughs> this is my podcast. 24's podcast. I am. I don't. Pause it. I don't talk necessarily that much about pop culture. That much, too much, a little bit. Today, mwah, beautiful day. Beautiful day. R. Kelly, unpause my music. R. Kelly, at age 55, has been, oh God, beautifully, beautifully sentenced to 30 years in prison for sex trafficking mwah, mwah, mwah. if you don't know why i am blowing him kisses i am blowing him the kiss of death pause on that that sounded a little bit weird but you know what i mean <laughs> this is what they're gonna be playing in prison <laughs> when he gets to prison they're gonna see Hank R. Kelly. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh my God. He's gonna meet somebody named Tyrone and he's gonna be like, hey, R. Kelly, I don't see anything wrong with the little bit of bump and grind too. <laughs> oh my God. I've been very, very passionate about R. Kelly being locked up and I'm like, yes, finally it happened. He will die in prison. Thank God. Anyways, I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast. Besides making fun of R. Kelly, we will be talking about sports. NBA offseason program is going on as we speak. A lot of teams putting a lot of money, throwing a lot of money, really, at a lot of different players. I got some opinions on it. A lot of opinions. We'll talk about some of the players that have been. I don't even know what the term is. Pause it. We'll be talking about players that have uh, opted in and opted out of free agency. I'm pause it. As well as should Kenny Pickett start his rookie season? Mitchell Trubisky is there for a reason to be the quote unquote bridge quarterback as people say buzzword terrible word I don't really care but unlike R. Kelly I see a little bit wrong with bumping and grinding with people who you don't know especially when they're underage R. Kelly that's why you're a prison 
That's why you're in prison. But I hope Art Kelly, when he goes to prison at age 55, will probably not see the light of day for the next 30 years. I hope he does a lot of bumping and grinding, or more specifically, I hope people bump and grind with Art Kelly when he's locked up in a federal penitentiary. We may make more jokes about R. Kelly coming up, ladies and gentlemen, right here on 24's podcast. I actually got to play this. Hold on. I got to play this. R. Kelly is such a fucking weirdo. They had what What did they had? They had the um the free art, not the free R. Kelly. What, what was that documentary series? I hate I hate people who are like R. Kelly. He's not a serial predator. Very, very passionate about R. Kelly being locked up because he is a serial abuser of black women. There is the uh, the documentary. What was it called? Surviving R. Kelly? Surviving R. Kelly. It had two seasons of it. And I was like, I don't even need to see the first season. Why do I need to see the first season? There's like six episodes, 40 plus minutes per episode. And then they made like two spinoff series, one which was an hour and a half long. And then they made a second surviving R. Kelly, two seconds. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta look up because of how despicable this person. I mean, they had a second series that was over, that, that had five episodes that were over that were almost all of them were over an hour long, okay? Do you wanna know how much of these two series plus the uh, the surviving the R. Kelly impact, do you wanna know how many of it I saw? Do you wanna know how many? I saw zero minutes of it. I didn't need to see any of it. I saw the boondocks. I'm like, I don't need to see R. Kelly. He pees on little girls. I don't need to see R. Kelly. I don't need to see this TV show. And then I come across a clip as I am watching a hilarious podcast called the H3H3 podcast. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it's the first thing that I pull off. But I mean, like, listen to this weirdo try to get Ethiopian women to come back to him, to America, with him, excuse me, to America. I kid you not he literally asked do you have your passport did you get your socks hold on hold on turn it up girl would you like to come back with rob to america he's recording do you have your passport ladies do you have your passport did you get your shirt? make sure you got him Oh, God. So again, I don't need to see R. Kelly. Uh, I don't need to see surviving R. Kelly because that should kind of tell you, uh, he's a little bit of a serial predator of black women. Maybe, 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 
uh, you just don't hang out with him. Maybe. I'm so annoyed and disappointed by so many people, what, including Kendrick Lamar, who is like one of my, who's like my favorite rapper of all time, supporting Michael, jo Michael Jackson. Jackson, he supported him. And the song Mortal Man, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, where the tagline of that song was, when shit hits the fan, is you steal a fan? When shit hit the fan, is you steal a fan? And hold on. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's the line where he... Where he... Hold on. It's the line where he talks about Michael Jackson. And he's like, when shit hits the fan, is you steal the fan? That brother, he's talking about Michael Jackson, and he's like, that brother gave you Billie Jean. You think he touched them kids? I'm like, yes, Kendrick. Yes, I don't think he touched those kids. Then Kendrick Lamar comes out supporting R. Kelly and then Kodak Black, and then he wants to freaking talk about, uh, what's, what's his name? He wants to talk about how he wants to support women's rights when we all know what a Kodak Black, again, I don't mean to talk about pop culture that much, but Jesus Christ. I was very excited to see R. Kelly be thrown in jail, in prison. I don't think I've ever been that excited. Besides the time that I saw Bill Cosby get thrown in a prison. I was so excited to see Bill Cosby be thrown in a prison. Oh my God. So excited. I mean, let me tell you something. Popcorn at the ready, sat down, watched Bill Cosby's ass. One of the happiest moments of my entire life. And then, of course, he got out, and then it was one of the worst moments of my entire life. One of the saddest. I was like, oh my God. How can you screw this up? Um, ask the terrible justice system. Who like apparently was like, yeah, we're going to, uh, to use evidence that we were told that we swore would not be used in a court of law, in a court of law, and that exonerated him. Great fucking job. Sorry. Anyways, what do I have for you today? I like ate peanuts. Before I, uh, before I started this podcast and during the intro, because of how excited I was to see that R. Kelly has gotten 30 years of prison, very excited he's going to die in prison. Still has made some pretty good tracks, to be honest with you. But uh, separate the artist from the art. Like, he's made some great tracks. It does not make him a good person. But, um, where is it? Hold on, let me stand up really, really quickly. Hold on. I spilled peanuts all over my floor. Very excited to see him in jail, incarcerated. I was giddy as a skull goal and pro Oh, it's not that bad. Not that bad. Like I thought I was, I thought I, it was gonna be like a 20 minute cleanup and I'm like, oh, it's like maybe five. I just need, just need a, uh, a sweeper, a broom. I'm like, what? I couldn't, I, I haven't, do you realize how little I use the word broom? How many, how many, how often do you use the word broom in any of your sentences. I was like, I have to fill out, you know, the dead air with something. So I had to use a buzzword. So I used sweeper instead of broom. All right. Also, we'll watch some Kayvon Thibodeau stuff because I'm like, I have some Kayvon Thibodeau stuff. Let me, uh, let me pull up some stuff here. And then we will talk about free agency here in a couple of minutes here. Hold on. How is your day today?
faithful viewer. My day was awesome. Do you want to know why it's going to be even more awesome in 24 hours? Because the season finale of Stranger Things, yes, volume two is coming out. I've literally waited a month for this. Hold on. I got to. I was at my therapist's office on Monday and she was just like, yeah, you know, the, uh, the Stranger Things season two or season four, volume two is supposed to come out at midnight. And I was like, look, I know for a fact it's not going to come out at midnight. It's like 1125 right now. I know for a fact it's not going to come out at midnight. I'm just, I just want to check if it comes out at midnight. You will know because I will have a very, very, happy reaction but also let me well let me like check some things really really quickly here i thought i had something i i guess not <clears throat> it's fine regardless it's fine i was like i was gonna pull up this other Kayvon thibodeau interview but i was like eh it's like 14 minutes long and they're probably not gonna ask good questions so let me type in when yeah Stranger Things 4, or not, part two comes out. At least the second part on June. At midnight! At midnight, it's coming out. I'm very excited, very excited. Midnight local time? Or midnight, like CDT or whatever. So it like will come out 10 p.m. or something like that, or 11 p.m. Eastern time. Hold on. Hold on. When will it come out? At midnight? Like it comes out like globally. So it has like that, that global time thing. I think it's called CDT or something like that. Is it coming out globally at midnight or is it coming out at midnight Eastern and then everybody else follows? Oh, shit. Oh, God. I hate, I hate Netflix. Netflix, make it come out 12 a.m. Eastern time because uh, tomorrow it's coming out 12 a.m. PT, which means 12 a.m. Pacific time, 12 a.m. On the, on the West Coast. It comes out at 3 a.m. East Coast. I have shit to do on Friday, but it's watching Stranger Things. It's like, do you realize how long your episodes are? One episode is an hour and a half long, the other Season finale episode is like two and a half hours. Yeah, I got the I got the runtime. We're talking about a four hour long, essentially marathon that I have to watch. I'm the sun is gonna be up by the time that I finish season four, and I will watch it. And I will stay up. I will go to sleep. Then I will stay up. I will watch it. I will watch it. I will go to sleep after the podcast. I'm going to sleep. Then I am waking up. And then I will watch Stranger Things literally at three o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock. Believe it like Naruto. Believe it. It's what he used to say before he started to say whatever his mom said. I was like, why the fuck is Naruto talking like this at the end of at the end of the uh, the the anime or the manga, he's like, he's like, you know, he just starts randomly saying, you know, because his mom said it. And I'm like, that's not how you tell that they're that they're related. 
ridiculous. It's like, how about his fiery attitude? How about his eyes? He literally has his mom's eyes. But they're like, eh, you know, we're just going to say that she says, you know, a lot or whatever she said. <clears throat> it's like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Very excited for Stranger Things. Very, very excited. Very excited to also go to sleep. Okay. What do I have for you today as a viewer? Well, we got, we got NBA. We got NBA free agency today. A lot of great stuff going on today. Let me show you something really, really quickly here. So a lot of players opting in, opting out. More specifically, they're just opting in into their contracts to make a shit ton of money. A lot of money. We'll talk about it. And we will also talk about the other players that didn't opt in that are still incredibly important to the NBA uh, season as a whole. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about everybody. Talk about everybody. First, let me uh, kind of like complain a little bit more. San Antonio, what the fuck are we doing? San Antonio, Greg Popovich, I am a little bit worried because the San Antonio Spurs traded away their best basketball player and DeJounte Murray this, uh, this season for three first-round draft picks. So they are in a, I mean, essentially San Antonio has been in a full rebuild since Tim Duncan retired. So that's been uh, essentially four or five years. Looks like it's going to go for another three to four years. So I'm in purgatory. I'm not happy. I, I can't watch Spurs basketball now. Essentially, it sucks to be a San Antonio Spurs fan. Sucks. I don't know who the fuck is on the team. They traded away Derek White this season, and now in the offseason, they're like, eh, we'll trade away DeJounte Murray. So I'm crying tears right now. I'm crying internally if, because I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and it sucks. It is eternal punishment and pain. Do you want to know what doesn't suck? Being an Atlanta Hawks fan. <laughs> Being an Atlanta Hawks fan. <laughs> Getting DeJounte Murray. And you know, I've always thought this about Atlanta since I saw Treyway play in the playoffs about a year ago. I said, Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a great scorer. They need another one. John Collins, the guy that everybody's talking about and is like, oh, you know, will they, won't they extend him? I'm like, I don't really care. But I'm like, they need another score because Trey Young is really the only guy that can... I mean, he's their best player and he's their most dynamic player. They need another score and really they need another score or two. Now, DeJounte can help facilitate. He, he's a spur, so he knows how to pass. He knows all about spacing and he'll play defense. He's a great player for the Atlanta Hawks because they need somebody to fucking help out Trey Young. He cannot do everything by himself. Uh, he did not have a great playoffs, but everybody forgets that he had a great playoffs last year. It's weird to see Skip Bayless be like, you know, uh, 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 Trey Young is just terrible. He's terrible. He's god awful. He hasn't. Didn't Trey Young like? Didn't he face off against Milwaukee or something like that? Atlanta Hawks. What is it? Um, not roster. Not resume. What's the word? Record. Record. Again, how often do you use the word record? They were much worse this year. 
than they were last year in the regular season and in the playoffs. Mm, marginally, marginally. They weren't like terrible, but they were like marginally better. It felt, felt they were shitty in two, uh, uh, last year. Yeah, they lost in the conference finals. Everybody's like, oh my God, I can't. I can't believe that the that the Atlanta Falcons are just they lost in the first round and Trey Young is just such a terrible basketball player. Oh my god. It's just like you go back a year ago. If I can fucking get them in the playoffs, what is up with this fucking holy shit just let me see their games. I want to see their games. It's, it's hard, the website that I'm using. But it's just like they lost, they beat Philadelphia. They beat Philadelphia. Some people are going to be like, well, that's easy. And it's like, no, it's fucking not. They had Joel Embiid. Sorry. They had Joel Embiid. Like, what? Everybody was hot on the Knicks. They, they gentlemen swept the Knicks. Four to one, get them up, get them out. Knicks are on rebuild again. Beat Joel Embiid in the 76ers in the NBA West Eastern Conference semis. They lost to the Bucks. Lost to the Bucks in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. But for some weird reason, people want to people want to talk shit about Trey Young. I said it last year. I was like, he needs help. Because if you shut down Trey Young, you shut down the entirety of the Atlanta Hawks offense. Surprise, surprise. I was right. Trey Young can't play basketball or Trey Young isn't playing up to the level, to the standard that I know and love that he can play at. Atlanta doesn't have a, a fucking shot in hell. They don't. What a surprise. They lost. Because once again, Trey Young, Trey Way, he's the guy. So, hold on. So, on the, what is it? On the San Antonio Spurs side, and I, and I did not, what is it? I mean, I, like, I heard about this guy, but apparently the San Antonio Spurs are, like, intentionally trying to trade or excuse me they are intentionally trying to trade or not trade but tank for this guy his name is victor Wimbanyama. like i think he's like a french player and they're trying to tank for him which is why they traded for or traded away uh dejounte murray because they're like we want this guy because we believe he's going to be the next best basketball player and we don't necessarily want to win basketball games anymore. And I'm like, what are we doing, Spurs? Stop doing this to me. I, I completely forgot about that for like two seconds. And then I saw his name trending and I was like, oh, this is why they traded for him. This is why they traded away. <clears throat> um, DeJounte Murray. I still like, it's a gamble. It's a risk. And again, the Spurs are going to have to suck. Oh my God, it's so hard to watch. <laughs> Oh my God, it's so hard to watch the Spurs. And everybody's like, oh my God, <clears throat> the Spurs, they didn't even get John Collins. And I was like, they didn't even get John Collins. John Collins is all right. All right. But I was like, oh, this makes sense. 
I hate it. I hate that the Spurs are now intentionally taking after being one of the best basketball teams of the last 20 fucking years with like David Robinson, the Admiral, one of the best centers in the NBA in the last 30 years. Tim Duncan, Timmy D. The best power forward ever. Tony Parker, Tony Parker out of France again. What the, the best, one of the best point guards in the history of the sport. Manu Ginobili. I miss those times as a San Antonio Spurs fan. It sucks. It sucks. It's torture. It is torture to be a Spurs fan. I mean, not, excuse me. It's not torture. It is being a masochist, being a Spurs fan. After all of the winning that we have done in the last 30 years, it's been essentially nothing. However, Victor Wambanaga, Yamanan, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what his last name is. Wambanan, but, um, God, man. If they get this guy, it's apparently the guy that they want. And apparently the Suns are like, not the Suns, the, uh, the Spurs are like, yeah, we want this guy. We want him. I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sad. But we, we'll see. At least the Atlanta Falcons or Hawks. Don't have two bird cities or bird teams, excuse me, in one city. That's ridiculous. But at least the Atlanta Hawks now have a shot with Victor Wambananana, whatever his last name is. At least they have a shot now. No, not with Victor Wambana, DeJounte Murray. Jesus Christ, I'm all over the place today. They have a shot now. They have somebody that can play great defense that can get them like 20, 25, maybe. I've always thought DeJounte Murray potentially may need to add more weight on his, on his frame to kind of like help fill him out a little bit. He is super thin, like super thin. And it's always been like something that I'm like, dude, like fill out. If you fill out, like you are fucking like he's 6'10", 100 and excuse me, his wingspan is 6'10". He's 6'4", 180 pounds. I'm like, you're 200, 220, dude. You're going to be a fucking killer. Like, nobody's going to be able to stop you. But, uh, no. He <clears throat> he doesn't want to uh, to put masks on. And that kind of sucks. Victor Wambananyan will probably put on masks when he gets into the NFL. Or not the NFL, the NBA. But, we'll see. We will see. Here in... Holy fucking smokes. In about a year. I, oh my God, I am crying already and the season hasn't even begun. We've only just begun to try to tank for Victor Wamba Nan 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 Yan. <clears throat> Anyways, um, let's talk about the other players that are in free agency besides DeJounte Murray, and then we will get on to some NFL stuff, and then we will peace out for tonight, and I will be one 
Night Closer to Stranger Things. Oh, I'm so excited. I I am can I preload the two the two episodes onto my iPad? I mean, I gotta go into the Apple store tomorrow to get my brand new iPad because this one, after three months, already doesn't work. How do you like them apples? Uh, specifically, how do you like dim apple? Apple, right? Bought your iPad, your new iPad mini three months ago for my birthday. Should have probably now hindsight 2020 should have probably bought the way more expensive iPad mini that has like the right amount of storage because holy fucking shit, my brand new iPad mini is already almost out of memory, which is fucking insane. In fucking insane. I bought this thing three fucking months ago, but I'm like, I won't use it for pleasure and for fun. I'm not going to use it to watch Netflix. And it's, it's what I primarily use it for now. It's replaced my computer. I love my iPad. I love it. It's way better than a computer and it's way cheaper. And it does all the, the shit that a computer does. And on top of that, it's like 80 times more portable and I can write on it. Get fucked, computers. Tablets are the future. Unless you have more processing power than, you know, iPads are not the future. But it's just like, my iPad cost me like $500. And then it's like, they want an additional 200, which is insanity. They want, yeah, they want an additional like $200, $649 fucking dollars for 256 gigabytes. I'm like, Apple, figure this shit out. Why does it cost $200 more for a 256 gigabyte iPad mini? Some of your shit needs to not be proprietary and needs to be way more like you need to get some third party developers in it. Why can't I put in an SD card as well? This shit needs to be fixed. Give me a memory card slot and put, give me an SD card slot. I'm not paying 200 more dollars for like 190 gigabytes more. Give me my fucking 90 gigabytes, 190 gigabytes naturally. So I didn't buy an iPad for like a decade or ever. This is my first iPad and it's broke in three months. I didn't even do anything. I didn't do anything. The right top speaker and the bottom right speaker are broken. They don't play sound. Let me check. It's like it, they just stopped working like three days ago. And I'm like, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. The bottom left, top left, they work fine. Bottom right, top right, they don't work at all. iPad, Apple, figure it out. Anyways, sorry. They want personal and engra free personal engraving. How about you suck it? Like for like the personal, they they can actually like engrave your iPad with stuff, which I'm like I didn't. Like what's, what's the engraving can you add? What is it? It's this small, tiny ass thing that you can put on. It's like an emoji. You can put your name on it and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't want my name in small font. I want something cool. I was like, maybe I'll write Japanese text on it. They were like, no Japanese text, no Japanese text. Then I'm like, what, like, 
Why are, what, like, it's not a per free personal engraving, you son of a bitch. I want it. I want it, but I don't want it. Sorry. I'm already like, I'm already red, red, hot. I'm already red hot. And I don't mean to be. I apologize. I don't even know what the devil I was even talking about. Like I was going to go into like players that opted into their contracts and players that didn't. So let's talk about players that opted into their contract contracts, excuse me, and players that did not. So today we got players that officially did. We knew that Kyrie Irving will be returning to the Brooklyn Nets, but what are the other players that are going to be staying and remaining in or on their respective teams in free agency? Well, uh, long and the short of it is, it's all of them. All of them are going to be remaining with their respective teams, or at least the most important ones, the players that we've talked about. Bradley Beal, for example. Um, I was really, really interested in him becoming a Laker. He is not a Laker anymore. He's not a Laker. He is a Washington Wizard, so... That sucks. That sucks. I wanted him to leave because I wanted... LeBron and the, and the Lakers to build like another super team. Bradley Beal is like, eh, I like the money and I can't really blame him. But I'm like, I want something interesting to talk about. Russell Westbrook opted in. So he's now a Laker again, which that's not a surprise. And then depending on how you look at it, best or worst case scenario for the East is that James Harden wants to be a, a Philadelphia 76ers to the point where he is like, I'm willing to take less money if you can get more people inside the building. And that's what he did. He opted out with the 76ers to potentially, or more specifically, more likely to renegotiate with the 76ers for a less, lesser contract so that way they can potentially, quote-unquote, bring in more uh, free agents for the Philadelphia 76ers to give them a better chance at winning the NBA Finals. More specifically, going to the NBA Finals in God knows how long. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a 76er. I'm going to get a nice home welcome back in Philly, which I don't even think has won anything with the Sixers, right? They haven't won shit. James is doing the right thing. He's like, I'm not going to look up the 76ers wins or championships. But James is like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm coming home. And I'm bringing $10 million less with me. Come get some. Specifically, come and get some better players, please. Please get some better players. So that way I can uh, not have to do everything by myself. Please, dear God. I am saving you money. While also giving you an awesome basketball player. Uh, what awesome basketball player do you ask me? I'm the awesome basketball player and I'm taking significantly less money. Please, for the love of God, give me money. Or get me a better basketball player, please. And thank you. Dear God. So. Bradley Bill, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. DeAndre Ayton, right? So DeAndre Ayton is the second or third overall 
player that was drafted in his respective draft class a couple of years ago. He has essentially burned the bridge with the Phoenix Suns. Everybody was like, look at him. He's an awesome basketball player. He will be an awesome basketball player. I'm like, I'm a little bit bullish on centers. I'm like, you need a guard, an elite guard. Guards run the uh, the NBA or the, uh, the point forward specifically. A forward that can essentially play a guard position. Specifically the point guard position. Traditional centers, centers aren't really... Uh, a thing in the NBA, but apparently the Spurs believe that it's uh, that this Victor Wembanyama are it is going to be the next great uh, point forward here, or not point forward, but uh, center, excuse me, in the NBA. We we will see. <clears throat> but DeAndre Ayton. He's kind of in this weird flux now where I don't really know who wants him. I don't know. Apparently, apparently DeAndre Ayton may be going to the Nets, which would be kind of interesting. I mean, I just saw something where Patty Mills is opting out and DeAndre Ayton to the Nets trade it's via the Washington Post but apparently it's like that's something interesting apparently Indiana unless DeAndre Ayton actually goes to like a good basketball team and I don't I don't think he moves the needle that much I mean he wouldn't go to the Lakers but he may go to the Nets some like people are just throwing out names apparently the Spurs are going to be a team that's like interested or technically they have been interested I don't really care. I don't think he moves the needle for me. Or not, I don't think he moves the needle for me. He doesn't move the needle for me. Like Brooklyn to me, it's just don't waste the money. He's not a max player. He's not a great player. Why the fuck are people talking about maxing out DeAndre Ayton? Can somebody explain that one to me? I don't mean to be like loud and rambunctious all the time, but it's like, is he a top... 5'10 center in the NBA? I'm not only up and up with the center position, but in no particular order, it's... I mean, Giannis plays like a power forward center, uh, center but it would be Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, and like a couple of other players that I would have to look up because I don't know the center position because the center position are kind of useless. Or I would take DeAndre Ayton, and then it's just like... What do you consider DeAndre Ayton exactly? Do you consider DeAndre Ayton to be a, a dominant inside center? Because I don't. I don't. I th look, I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a good player. I think he's overrated. I'm kind of shocked that people are... I, like, you want to know what, what's interesting? If you told me DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson... I haven't seen Zion Williamson play in almost like three years... I would rather have Zion Williamson because I actually have seen him play basketball at literally the highest of levels that you can play basketball at as a center. And I have very, very rarely, if ever, have seen DeAndre Ayton do the exact same thing. And this whole video game thing, as somebody who loves and adores video games, this whole like 
video game thing where he plays video games apparently until like midnight or 12 o'clock or one o'clock or whatever. And then he like goes to practice at eight o'clock is in sanity to me. It's like, this is, this is something that should not be happening ever to a professional basketball player. And I'll fucking say it. People don't want to say it. I'll fucking say it. It wouldn't matter if he was a better basketball player. It wouldn't. But because he's not a better basketball player. And look, I don't, I, you know what? You know what? I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care if he was awesome. You would not hear a fucking peep out of me. One iota out of me. If he was fucking killing it. I wouldn't give a shit. I'm not 80 years old and thinks that unnecessary things affect people. I wouldn't give a fuck if he was balling out and playing well. But I haven't seen him ball out and play at the highest of levels. I haven't seen him. I mean, let me pull up some of his statistics. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me just look some stuff up. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. If he was one of the best centers in the NBA, I wouldn't give a fuck. I wouldn't. I'd be like, play your video games until fucking one, until eight o'clock in the morning. Be late for fucking practice. I wouldn't give a shit. But it's when he is not able, he, he's, he gets 0.7 blocks per game, which is not very good for a center. You are a rim protector. You should have at least one to like 1.5. He has 17.2 points per game. How does that work? How? That's my fucking question. Like now he has kind of started to show he can be a good center and really specifically he can be like a good center relative to Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Like he can be the third or the fourth option on the team, but never really a first a number one or a number two which is why I am massively struggling with the conversation around him getting maxed out dollars for fucking what? For him to give you below max value as a center in the NBA to be a below average shot blocker in the NBA? I, I don't I don't understand it. The Spurs intrigue with him is shocking to me, if you want my honest opinion about it. Because I don't consider the center position that important if you are not like a dominant scorer like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic and also paired with like if you're a center in the NBA, you better fucking be an awesome, awesome fucking score, a dominant score, and then you also better fucking be a fucking awesome rim protector and it's like it's a lot to put on one dude's fucking back which is why Joel and uh Jokic are the only guys that I kind of know can like play at the highest of levels it's ridiculous how much pressure is on a center and then you also have to be in shape because of how fast the NBA is which is why I'm like the Spurs are interested in a center he better be the next Shaq or else I'm gonna kill him But DeAndre Ayton getting maxed out dollars for 
this season, less than one rebound, 17 points, 10 rebounds is great. He's always a 10 rebounder type of guy. Like less than one block in 17 points, that's not good enough. It's not. So, oh man, DeAndre Ayton is like, he is a frustrating, frustrating basketball player for me to have to like sit here and try to pretend or not even, I'm not pretending anything, but it's just annoying to be like, yeah, you know, he's, he's a great, or not a great basketball player, excuse me, but he can, he can really help out a team. I'm like, what team? I don't know. It kind of, it also begs the question of like, what exactly do you mean by helping out your team? Because as a rim protector, I think there's like at the very least 10 guys that easily, easily that are better than him. But you know, we'll see. Uh, I got to take a quick bathroom break. Then we will talk about football and things of that nature. NBA free agency is kind of a snooze fest a little bit. Thought it was going to be way more exciting. And then every player opted in or opted out of their contract. And they're just like, yeah, I'm staying. I'm not moving. Like, fuck. Wanted something interesting to happen. Nothing is happening. I will be back in a couple of minutes. I really have to use the bathroom. I drank two. I drank two energy drinks today. Energy drinks run through me like nobody's business. I drank a bang cotton candy energy drink and then or the bang cotton candy flavor. And then I drank a Red Bull, the sugar free one. So I got really got to use the bathroom here. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. 24th podcast. I spit it through the wire, man. There's too much stuff on my heart right now, man. I gladly risk it all right now. It's a life or death situation, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't really understand how I feel right now, man. It's your boy Kanye Titter. Shot Town, what's going on? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I drink a boost for breakfast, an insure for dessert. Somebody order pancakes, I just sip the scissor. That right there could drive a sane man bizarre. Not to worry, Mr. Ace of the Eddles back to wizard. How do you console my mom or give a light support? Telling her son's own life support. And just imagine how my girl feel. On the plane, scared as hell that a guy looked like Emmett Till. She was with me before the deal. She been trying to be mine. She a Delta, so she been throwing that dynasty sign. No use me trying to be lying i've been trying to be signed trying to be a millionaire how i use two lifelines in the same hospital with biggie smalls died the doctor said i had blood clots but i ain't jamaican man story on mtv and i ain't trying to make a band i swear this right here history in the making man i really apologize to everyone right now if, if it's unclear at all man they got my mouth wired shut for like i don't know the doctor said like six weeks you know, yeah, we can start. I have reconstructive surgery on my jaw. I looked in the mirror, half of my jaw was in the back of my mouth, man. I couldn't believe it. But I'm still here for y'all right now, man. This is what I got to say right here, dog. Yeah, turn me up, yeah. Uh. 
What if somebody from the shadow was ill? Got a deal on the hottest rap label around. But he wasn't talking about coke and birds. It was more like spoken word. Except he's really putting it down. And he explained the story about how blacks came from glory and what we need to do in the game. Good dude, bad night, right place, wrong time. In the blink of an eye, his whole life changed. If you could feel how my face felt, you would know how Mace felt. Thank God I ain't too cool for the safe belt. I swear to God, driver two wanna sue. I got a lawyer for the case to keep us in my safe. Safe, my dogs couldn't tell if I. I look like Tom Cruise on Vanilla Sky. It was televised. It's been an accident like Geico. They thought I was burned up like Pepsi did Michael. I must got an angel, cause look how death missed his ass. Unbreakable, what you thought they call me Mr. Glass? Look back on my life like the ghost of Christmas past. Toys of us where I used to spend that Christmas cash. And I still won't grow up, I'm a grown ass kid. Swear I should be locked up for stupid that I did. But I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy to triumph. Make Music that's fire, yeah. spit my soul through the wire. Woo. You know what I'm saying? When the doctor told me I had a um, I was gonna have a plate in my chin. I said, dog, did you feel Oh, thank God, I'm back. Oh, Jesus Christ. Not like sometimes you have to use the bathroom really, really badly, but you know, you don't realize it until you actually go. That was, that was what I had. I was like, I thought it was gonna be like, a couple of minutes. I thought it was. I thought I was gonna be bang in and out thirty seconds. I'm a guy. It. No. <laughs> I was like, nope, nope, <clears throat> absolutely not. I was like, oh, this could, this could be a while. So before I, before I left, I was talking about where I was going to talk about. The NFL, after getting done with NBA free agency, kind of shitting on DeAndre Ayton a little bit because, I mean, I don't think he's a needle mover at all. I don't think he's important. I don't really care um, about DeAndre Ayton. We were going to transition into kind of talking about some videos and things of that nature that I was actually going to... I was going to... Like, sometimes I watch videos, like, on my own and things of that nature... And now it's just like, you know, I'm like, why don't I just watch them on the podcast, kill two birds with one stone? It's like, if it's interesting, then it's interesting. If it's not interesting, then, well, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. <laughs> so, Kate Vion Thibodeau went on the NFL Network, and I'll use Skip Bayless's term on this. He went through the quote-unquote car wash, meaning that... He did everything. He got like he he'd fucking you know he went on um, everyone's podcasts. He went on live television as well to talk to some people. And I was interested. I'm always interested in players that go on shows because I'm interested in what they have to say and their unique perspective on the sport. But the people that cover the sport are so uninformed and so bad at their jobs they cannot ask any good questions that will lead to good informed answers to save their fucking lives. They can only ask the most obvious, the most bland, the most boring questions that have very prepared responses from the subject that they are interviewing. It's so obnoxious to see literally every single player give scripted, boring, 
uninsightful responses. They give essentially bad answers, but it's not their fault because the questions themselves are bad. So it's just like bad on bad. I can't fault the players. I can fault the people that are asking the shitty questions because what do you want the players to do? Give you something that you don't actually reserve, deserve, excuse me, give you a good answer to a very shitty question. Like they're not gonna do that. They're gonna give you shitty answers for shitty questions. So I'm always, but I'm always interested and I always get ropa doped into them because again, I'm interested in their responses, but usually the responses aren't very good. I actually don't know if this is a good or a bad response that he's going to have, but um, I'm going to react to it anyways. This is a, a four minute video about um, Kavion Thibodeau. He was on the NFL Network. When was it? Yesterday, apparently, or technically two days ago. It was Tuesday. It's now Thursday because it's midnight. But he was at the NFL Network again doing everything. Here is his interview on the NFL Network. He is the man, the myth, the legend, live on Total Access. Kayvon Thibodeau, man, we're excited to have you here and on Total Access, man. Man, I'm excited to be back, you know, back in L.A. The sun is shining. By the way, can I just say this? They spent, the NFL Network spent like a shit ton of money on this studio that just looks terrible. I don't know why they spent so much money on it. They have an out there, first and foremost, they're right across the street from SoFi. But they have a field outside to kind of like, you can tell that they literally copied and stole a lot of things from inside the NBA on TNT. And it's just, they copied it, but at the exact same time they didn't, it sucks. It's like they have a, a, a football field that they can go to outside, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's like, why would you build a football field outside when you can just have an indoor facility inside because you don't even go out. Like sometimes it's so weird how awkward they, they'll they do football demonstrations. Like they'll talk about plays and things of that nature. And it's just like, guys, like you can do these, these demonstrations inside. You don't have to go outside. And then when they go outside, it's like, it, like it's, it's all right. It's not like that insightful, you know, it's not that important. And then they have multiple different sets inside the studio. Like they have one set, ooh, for, for interviewing and things of that nature. But then here they interview him outside. It's like, guys, what the fuck are we doing? Like, come on, be better. Why waste millions? Like, you know that they wasted millions of dollars on this set. Or at least I know they, made, they wasted millions of dollars on this set. It's like, guys, this sucks. You guys wasted money on this. I don't know what to tell you. You wasted your money. Blessing. Hey. So you got drafted to a team, right? That has a rich history of pass rushes. Okay, okay. Here's, if I'm Thomas Davis, Davis Sr., if I am any interviewer who is interviewing Kayvon Thibodeau or Thibodeau or however you say his last fucking name because apparently we still don't know how to say his last fucking name. Because everybody enunciates it differently. If I am anyone that is interviewing Kayvon Thibodeau or Kayvon Thibodeau, the first motherfucking question I am going to ask him is how he flows and how he how he flows into the front seven of the New York football giants because they have an awesome front fucking seven with Leonard Williams, the defensive tackle, Aziz Ojolari, one of the defensive ends slash now linebackers, I guess, because technically they're listing Kayvon Thibodeau as a linebacker, even though realistically he's a defensive lineman, 
whatever. And then they have the, an awesome linebacker in Blake Martinez. The first fucking question I'm going to ask him is how he fits into that defense. What exactly he has learned, if there has been anything that he's learned, any type of mentoring that Leonard Williams has been able to give him with Aziz Ojolari. How many sacks does he like? Very minimal questions that can lead to semi-good answers. How does he going to pressure Dak Prescott? Has he looked at Dak Prescott's fucking tape yet? What about Jalen Hurts? Has he looked at how? And I would, I would push, I would, I would say some shit. I would throw some people under the bus. I'd be like, have you taken a look at how reckless Carson Wentz has? I would start drama. I would start some fire. What the fuck is Thomas Davis Sr. going to be asking? Kayvon Thibodeau, literally some of those questions that I thought of, I literally thought of them on the spot. You can tell because some of them are not very good, but others I was like, the questions about how is he gonna pressure Dak Prescott? How is he gonna pressure? How is he gonna beat Tyron Smith and Zach Martin? And uh, the rookie, not the rookie, but the undrafted free agent now that's playing right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys and Terrence Williams, how exactly is he going to compete against Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott? And on and on and on and on and on. Does he think he's the best defensive tackle or slash, excuse me, the best defensive end? Does he think that he's a better quote-unquote linebacker than Micah Parsons? Does he think he's a better linebacker than Micah Parsons? On and on and on and on and on. Thomas Davis Sr., you are a former football player. Do not insult my intelligence. Ask a good question. Starting back to LT. Then you got Strahan. Then you got OC. Then you got Tuck. Then you got JPP. There are going to be a lot of expectations from this. Wait, wait, what did he say? He, the, I think the question was um, the history of the, New York, of the New York Giants pass rushing. And it's just like, boring. Ask him about the competition today. Ask him. Hey. So you got drafted to a team, right, that has a rich history of pass rushes, starting back to LT. Then you got- You can tell that some moron in the booth was like, ask him this question. This is a great, great question. It's like, no, it's not. It's a really, really fucking shitty question. Strahan, then you got OC, then you got Tuck, then you got JPP. There are gonna be a lot of expectations from this organization, from this fan base. Number five overall pick, there are going to be a lot of people expecting a lot of great things out of you as a pass rusher. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, all of those What guys, are your thoughts on that? That's like, hey, can you give me a good answer to a shitty question? It's like there's been all of this expectations for the Giants. What are your thoughts on the expectations? And it's just like he's going to give you a very, very boring, terrible answer because you asked a very boring, terrible question. Standard, so I at least have an idea of what I need to strive for. And the greatest thing about it is they love the organization. So they've been back. I've already connected with a lot Boring, of them. terrible they've answer. Really giving me bits and pieces that will help me in the long run. So in your rookie year, you have an opportunity. You're going to go in and play for a head coach who's also. Talk about Dak Prescott. Talk about why? Why does. Why are people so fucking boring and uninsightful? The Cowboys have swept the Giants every single year since 2017 when Dak Prescott is playing this sport. Ask him, how is he going to break that streak of almost six years of losing to the Dallas Cowboys when Dak Prescott is playing as a player who plays a position that directly and indirectly affects Dak Prescott in the sense of he gets to attack the offensive line, which protects Dak Prescott. So if you attack something that 
protects Dak, Dak Prescott, you can then maul Dak Prescott and you can sack him. And most importantly, this is the thing that I've noticed whenever I've watched New York Giants games against the Cowboys. There's more Cowboys fans in the stands than Giants fans. Giants fans are not Jets fans. They will not support their team if they are losing. And New York City is a global city. So you will have millions of people from different cities, states, and countries flock into New York City who won't necessarily have the allegiance that New Yorkers will have for native teams like the Giants, for example, which is why there are so many fucking cowboy fans in New York City because they're from all over the country and they're like, we've always been cowboy fans. We have never been Giants fans. We will take over their stadium and it will be a fucking home game on prime time. Dallas has not had two away, a away game against the New York Giants since like 2018, maybe circa 2017, because they always beat the shit out of the Giants. What is the Giants schedule here, or not even schedule, what's the Giants record here in the last couple of years? Does anyone do any research at all? Whatsoever, like, let me look up the Giants records and I'm getting the San Francisco Giants because of how irrelevant the New York Giants are. Let me look up the, the New York Giants, okay? Going all the way back to when Dak Prescott was a rookie in 2016, they were 11 and five that year. Since then, three and 13, five and 11, four and 12, six and 10, and then four and 13. They have been absolutely abysmal. Ask him, how are you going to beat the Cowboys? Nobody cares, but this is your main opposition for the NFC East. Or if you can't even have the gall to ask him about a divisional rival like the Cowboys, can you please ask him about the other divisional rival that has also beaten the crap out of the Giants for the last six, seven years in the Philadelphia 76ers, please and thank you. Let's see if he actually has the temerity to ask him a question about either one of the prime divisional rivals that have pulled down their pants and taken a gigantic dump on the New York Giants for the last, I don't know, seven years. Ricky, mm -hmm. kind of talk to us a little bit about Coach Dabble's style and mm -hmm. like how he likes to get you guys ready mm -hmm. for, the, for, the, for the upcoming season. Okay, so irrelevant question again terrible broad and general question that leads to a terrible and broad and general answer he it's a nothing answer that he's going to give you because he's not because he doesn't even know he's a rookie how does he know how does it like i gotta i, I don't want to scream and shout but you have to think about this logically if you are going to ask somebody a question you should know to some extent the answer that they can give you or potentially the answer that they can give you when you ask the question. That's the whole point of asking people questions to discern information, but you are really kind of interrogating him. So you should know the ballpark of the answer, right? Right? This is what I'm hoping some, uh, some journalists do. They're like, we're going to ask a question that will lead to an answer that we want to know. We will not ask broad and dumb and terrible questions because they will lead to broad and dumb, terrible answers.
Let's see what answer he gives to a broad and dumb question. Players coach and everything that he's been doing has been for the players and he has a, a real idea of how he wants the team to go. So just one building camaraderie um, and, and really getting an idea for each other. Right. Because we are a lot. There are a lot of new guys out there. But yeah, he's been doing it the right way. And I, he gives us the freedom to be who we are and, and really love follow up with how always ask a follow up question. How is he getting you guys ready? He says he Brian Dable, Kavion Thibodeau just said he's he's getting us ready. Ask how don't just let him answer. And then not follow up, ask a fucking follow up question, ask how. I don't blame Thomas Sr. I blame every motherfucker that's behind the camera and in the studio that has advised him on how to do interviews in this terrible, god awful way that nobody cares about. If you had, if you gave five fucking minutes with me and Kayvon Thibodeau, I would be asking him all the best questions. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Last thing I got for you. You play in a division mm -hmm. who I feel like is has the most athletic quarterbacks of any division. Mm -hmm. You got Dak Prescott, you got Carson Wentz, you got Jalen Hurts, and even your quarterback. Why are you talking about athletic quarter? Hold on, I, I gotta, I gotta see the finish. He's setting the, he's setting this question up horrendously. Let's see how he finishes. I, I shouldn't have interjected. My bad. Play in a division mm. who I feel like is has the most athletic quarterbacks of any division. Mm -hmm. You got Dak Prescott, you got Carson Wentz, you got Jalen Hurts, and even your quarterback. He's mm -hmm. one of the most athletic quarterbacks in this league. So every pass rush specialist has their go-to move, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When the game is on the line and and all the apples are on the bed, you got to make sure that you get into the quarterback That's and you're getting him down. What is your go-to move? We want to. I want to kind of get you to demonstrate to the people that, as watching at home, that go-to move when the yep. game is on the line when you're trying to win yep. the game. So when the game. Okay, okay, okay. Horrendous setup. Horrendous setup. Why? Why would you talk about athletic quarterbacks, and then go? <clears throat> excuse me, and then go into how are you going? to set up your pass rushing move. The question should have been, you're going up against Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lane Johnson, and Travis Kelsey, and whoever the Eagles have, who is like one of the best left tackles in the NFL. You're going up against some of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Washington doesn't have a great offensive line. They don't even have a good one. But you're going up against some of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. How are you going to beat Tyron Smith? Boom. Get started. Go. That's it. Because he's fast. He's strong. He's powerful. How are you going to beat him? That's fucking it. That's all you need to ask. He's like, you have the most athletic quarterbacks in your division. How are you going to beat their offensive linemen? It's like, ask about the offensive linemen. Way more interesting question would have been if you had asked him about Tyron and Lane Johnson. But let's see what his response is, though. As watching at home, that go-to move when the yeah. game is on the line when you're trying to win yeah. the game. So when the game is on the line, it's a couple things that really play into it, a situation. So for me, by the time the fourth quarter comes, it's third down and 10, fourth and whatever, I want to know the snap count. I got to have a snap count down because you got to move with the ball, not on the ball. So, so okay. Problem with that. God, I hate these people so much. No, there's no follow-up questions. Problem with that is that Dak Prescott is known for altering his snap count. He's known for going for the hard count and drawing people off sides. So if Kayvon Thibodeau is talking about in the third or fourth quarter going off of the snap count, 
he's going to get drawn off sides, which Dak Prescott, which people don't give him credit for this, is one of the best at drawing people off sides. How do I know this? Because I watch the fucking sport. And because I'm a Cowboy fan. That's how I know this. So already, you're like, I'm having like an issue with his response. And I'm like, uh, Dak Prescott is good at drawing people off sides. Let's rewind and then we'll continue. Whatever. I want to know the snap count. I got to have a snap count down because you got to move with the ball, not on the ball. So I always want to start it off with speed. All right, let's right? show him. Let's show so, him. So when I get off, I always go with speed. And the greatest thing you have is that long arm, right? Yep. Two is longer. I mean, one is longer than two. So get, keeping that distance and then being able to play off of it, right? So right. if you do get me and I can't get around I, and you overset me, I can come back and I still have opportunity to get to the quarterback. But off of that long arm, I have so many moves that it's, it's my world, right? I'm letting you play into my game. That's one thing, as a pass rusher, you can never be one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. You never know what the offensive lineman is going to give you, and that's a great thing to make sure that you know how to react to what they give mm -hmm. you. Now, one thing I, I did want to leave, I didn't want to leave here without getting some advice because I am going into this new world. Okay. So is there anything you have for a young bull or even, you know, young guys watching this who can really take it and, and, and go forward and be strong in life? You know, f first and foremost, all the young players that I had the opportunity to be around and work with, Avion's response wasn't bad, by the way. It was very, very good for a very, very bad question. I tell them the same thing. Make sure that you understand the playbook. Yeah. Your greatest, greatest asset that you can have as a player is knowing what you're doing and being available. Mm. So if you're out there, you're doing it the right way, you're available, you have a lot of expectations, high expectations. This is a good, a semi-good response. This is like kind of predictable, but this is like a good response from Thomas Davis Sr., Want to know why it's a good response? Because it was very natural or semi-natural. You could tell that Kayvon either thought of this or told the producers that he wanted to ask this question to Thomas Davis Sr. Thomas Davis Sr. is kind of giving a prepared statement, but it's a lot more organic than essentially almost anything that they've given me essentially thus far. So it's to say that as the number five pick. So teams are gonna, they're gonna expect you to know what you're doing. So you mm. gotta get into that playbook. Day in and day out, make sure that you know what you're doing. You gotta make sure that you're always giving all out effort nonstop so your teammates Boring. can depend on you. When it's tough, the games are gonna get Boring. tough. There's gonna always be adversity in games. You gotta make sure that your team can depend on you. So showing them that during the training camp process, and also making sure when the when the vets call on you to do something as a rookie, mm -hmm. don't start to feel like, hey man, I'm too big for that. Yeah. We all had to go through it. Yeah. We all had to do our jobs as rookies and carrying pads, carrying helmets, yeah. and going to get food. So if you do those things, man, you're gonna have a successful rookie year. Come on, Looking man. I appreciate you. It's time. Hey, tossing this thing back to you, MJ, live on Total Access. So look at Sorry about that. I didn't mean to play an ad. I'm just so interested in like figuring out if somebody can ask like one question. It's why I watch so many interviews, not because I'm obsessed with interviews and people asking other people questions, but I'm obsessed with somebody who asks a fucking interesting question that leads to an actual response. That's what I'm interested in. And that really had like 30 seconds of like, oh, this is decent stuff, but really the majority of it was not. I have one more clip of Joy Taylor, who looks to be filling in for Colin Cowherd for 
I don't know how long, but we have Joy talking about Kenny Pickett, the uh, quarterback, the, the rookie quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers and um, spewing nonsense that I will be getting into. So first and foremost, let me describe my my thought process about rookie quarterbacks. I don't think they should play for the most part. I don't think it does them any justice or any good. Some people are like, you don't learn anything from not playing. And I refer to them, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo, a bunch of other quarterbacks that didn't play their first snap that also developed and learned. And also, by the way, it wasn't like a thing 20 years ago or 20, 30 years ago to play your rookie quarterback immediately. It's like, you had to sit him. But um, people are like, yeah, you know, let's play our rookie quarterbacks. And it's just like the only quarterbacks that, has, that have essentially had success in their rookie year are like Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson in the last six, seven years. Everyone has essentially won like 40% of their games. It's not good to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Just not. And like play, by the way. I think that it's bogus. I think it's bullshit. I think quarterbacks that are rookies have way more problems than every other position on the football field, on the football field, excuse me, and have a way larger learning curve that doesn't just equate to them playing football and that's how they get better. They actually have to like learn the playbook better than the majority, if not the entirety of the offense. Then they have to learn very complex defenses and um, how to process them, then they actually have to develop significantly better mechanics because wide receivers aren't going to get fucking open and guys are as big and as strong as them um, at linebacker and safety. So you can't just run over people or run past people and you can't just rely on your athleticism anymore. It's the hardest position to transition from college to the NFL, or more specifically from the minors to the majors. It's one of the most frustrating conversations I've constantly, I constantly have on a year in year out basis because people just want to be like, you can play this guy year one and he'll be great, or he'll learn more than he'll, uh, than if he did, if he was benched. And it's just like, no, it's not. We have evidence. The jury's in, uh, even guys like Josh Allen, for example, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL sat his rookie year. Oh my God. Whoops. The daisies. Tom Brady did as well. But let's hear her try to make the argument that you learn more um, your rookie year. And also, like, the notion that who quote-unquote mentors you matters, like Brett Favre and Alex Smith, who um, specifically with Brett Favre, Brett Favre literally did not mentor Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers sitting out and being an awesome player when he actually played had nothing to do with Brett Favre mentoring him. This is a common misconception that everybody gets wrong, that Aaron Rodgers became an awesome football player because he had Brett Favre mentoring him. No, it was once again, he was able to learn the offense, develop his mechanics and study defenses. That's the core reason why you get better as a quarterback from college to the NFL. How fast it is you are able to learn defenses, improve your mechanics, and learn your offense and execute your offense. It wasn't because Brett Favre was there because Brett Favre didn't give a fuck about him. But let's hear her try to make that argument. 
is the replacement value of Kenny Pickett over Mitch Trubisky? We'll find out in training camp, but this is why I advocate for young players to play. You can learn a lot from interning. You can learn a lot from observing people. You don't learn how to do it. You don't get better. As if playing football at the highest of levels is similar to being a unpaid intern. You want to know one of the biggest difference between being an unpaid intern and a professional football player? Well, one is significantly more paid than the other because one isn't paid. And then the, and then the fact of the matter is, is that there's significantly more pressure to be successful and to be able to win. Like being an unpaid intern, you're essentially doing grunt work. An NFL rookie, some of them are expected to start and be great football players their first year. You're an unpaid intern, you're doing free manual labor. What? It's not the same thing. Terrible analogy. Doing it by practicing. You get... And I got an ad. Hold on. I'm already fucking firing off. I'm not even like eight seconds in. Hold on. Let me take a swig of my water. Fucking firing off. I'm already popping off. I'm killing it. As we... I got two ads that are unskippable. It's like, why do I get so many... Unskippable ads. I apologize. Continuing, continuing with joy here. Here we go. Better at doing it by practicing. You get better in the game when it's live, when the speed is real. You're just doing the repetition. First and foremost, how do you know? How do you know this? I'm like, how do you know any? Like, what are you talking about? Jesus, like, you get better at the game by playing the game, the speed and the repetition. You're just saying buzzwords, first and foremost. Second of all, how do you know this? Like, at the very least, I provided actual examples and I gave statistics. I gave the 40% win rate as a statistic. I gave specific examples like Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the antithesis of, like, the, uh, the kind of like the, the antithesis to their point is guys like Josh Allen, who's literally the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, not, or excuse me, starting his rookie season and sucking for like two years. He sure didn't learn anything for like two to three years. And then his fourth year, oh my God, because he's actually experienced and knows the NFL and defenses and offenses and has more specifically and especially developed his mechanics. It's now that he is able and capable of playing the position of quarterback. It wasn't because he started all of those games because if he did, if he started all those games and he would have had tremendous success his, his second year, which he did not, he was like a running inaccurate mobile quarterback his second year. It was the Houston Texans game where Sean Watson got kicked in the face that he lost. But if he was so experienced, he would have had that, that initial success first, um, his, his second year, excuse me. And by the way, this is when the AFC was a shitty conference. But continuing forward. Oh, wait, let me, let me rewind. So that way I can hear her say, you need experience or, or what is it? Like you, you, need, you don't need the repetitions or you need the in-game repetitions where the game is faster. Again, it's not about simulating in-game experiences. It's about giving, it's about not overloading the quarterback with information. That's the one thing that you see all the time. Rookies get fucking annihilated because they're like, this guy moved. This guy doesn't move. This guy, I got a burp. This guy 
is now in is now like pointing what does any of this stuff mean on top of what are my like quarterbacks are trying to figure out if their guys are aligned properly okay trevor lawrence last year this is this isn't me bullshitting this isn't me saying buzzwords this is me giving specific analysis of his game trevor lawrence had zero pocket presence last season do you want to know why and this is why i was like so hell-bent for jacksonville to get an offensive lineman because trevor lawrence couldn't feel any pressure in the pocket because he never had to do that at clemson he never had to do that at clemson so he doesn't understand you are on a set time limit your offensive line is not very good if they are not having a good football game you have to speed up your progressions, and you have to know where the defense is going to attack your offensive line. He did not feel or know any of this stuff. So of course, when he goes in and he plays, he gets fucking decimated on a week-to-week basis because he can't feel pressure, he doesn't understand pocket presence, and he stands there like a fucking donut waiting to get hit because he doesn't understand that. And that's the majority of the problems with a lot of young quarterbacks. And I mentioned this time and 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 time again about Justin Fields. Oops, a daisies. Everybody thought that he was the best quarterback in the draft, right? Everybody said that he was Mac, that he was better than Mac Jones, and he was disrespectful to compare him to Mac Jones. Let me ask you a question. Every single person that is an advocate for rookie quarterbacks to start in the NFL. Is Justin Fields going to go to the playoffs this year? Is he going to win more than eight games? Because I think that's what Mac Jones on the shitty New England Patriots with their shitty wide receiving core is probably going to do without Josh McDaniels, who's one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Justin Fields plays like a college. He plays like an amateur in the pros. That's not how you win football games. And that's how a lot of rookie quarterbacks play. They play like fucking amateurs in the pros. And people are like, yeah, just throw them in there. Throw them into the wolves. They don't even know what's wrong with their overall play. So how do they know how to fix that? It's why I was so against Justin Fields playing last season. Because I was like, he's going to get killed. He is going to get killed. What a surprise. He had two injuries last season. And literally in the first four to five weeks of the NFL season... After sitting out like four weeks, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL by like week eight, week nine in the NFL season, and he missed four games. And people were like, oh my God, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in his draft. Chicago got a steal. Oh my God, Mac Jones is shitty. He's a third round draft pick. Mac Jones was the only AFC quarterback, or not even AFC quarterback, excuse me, but quarterback in his draft class to win enough games to go to the playoffs which i think was 10 and then on top of that he was the only quarterback in his draft class to actually go to the fucking to the fucking pro bowl and i also think he was the only quarterback that was a rookie that had a winning record don't talk to me about playing a quarterback week one game one works when i literally have provided examples of trevor lawrence zach wilson Fucking um, uh, Justin Fields. We can go back two years to a tag of Aloha. Justin Herbert is like the only other guy that has not had a losing season 
in the NFL. I think he was a pro bowler, but Justin Herbert hasn't been to the playoffs yet. Joe Burrow is the only success story, but oh my God, it was in his second year, right? Because he got hurt in his first year, had to sit out the majority of the season, came back strong second year and fucking killed the league. But it was only unfortunately because he got hurt. He was able to watch a shit ton of tape. He was able to improve without the pressure of winning. You cannot improve and win at the exact same time. You have to do one. You're either going to win and stay shitty, or you're going to lose and you're get be- and you're going to get better in your rookie season. You can improve in the off season. You cannot improve during your rookie season. Dak Prescott did not improve during his rookie season. He did the things that were required of him to win, which is essentially get completions, easy completions on first, second, and third down whenever they wanted to throw it. It was usually third down because they were backed up and not turn the football over. That's what he did. And Dallas went to the playoffs and won 13 games in his rookie season. But Dak Prescott was not required to do a lot, and I'm a Dak Prescott fan. He did not improve by playing. He improved in the offseason. And then in his second season, it was one of the worst seasons in his NFL career. Because oops-a-daisy, they took away the, the, the entirety of their offense in their running game. Their shitty running game, by the way. Let me, unplug, let me plug in my computer. It's almost out of battery. But let's hear this. I want to hear her tell me that Kenny Pickett should play. Let me, let me hear the argument. Let me hear the tired, trite, boring, vanilla-paste arguments that every media analyst uses to try and convince people, oh my God, this player, this player should really try and play the rookie season. Don't learn how to do it. You don't get better at doing it by practicing. You get better in the game. Then why the fuck would you practice? Why the fuck would we have walkthroughs? Why wouldn't we just send players out there to fucking play the sport? Every quarterback and their mother knows that walkthroughs are one of the most important aspects of learning the offense because you actually get to execute the offense within a safe environment where you aren't going to get killed what are you talking about just send them out there no practice no preparation right you only get better by playing the fucking sport what do people think they're doing throughout the entirety of the week sitting on their couch and eating wheaties like what the fuck is this pick it over Mitch Trubisky we'll find out in training camp but this is why I advocate for young players to play you can learn a lot from interning you can learn a lot from observing people again terrible comparison you don't learn how to do it you don't get better at doing it by practicing yes you do yes like I, I cannot actually believe she just said that yes you do I just provided a bajillion examples better in the game when it's no you don't again I just provided examples such as Josh Allen uh, Kyler Murray, that's a new one. Tua Tagovailoa, Joe Burrow. Uh, who else sucked their rookie season? Oh my God, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. On and on and on and on and on, right? And these are the quarterbacks that are perceived to be good quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, right? I haven't even talked about the bad quarterbacks that played their rookie season, like Jared Goff and Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota that were pretty fucking shitty in the rookie season and still have not gotten better. But sure, fine. Practice doesn't isn't important at all. When the speed is real, you're just doing the repetition. 
You're just like ready. you're doing you're just... the repetition. So you're learning how to play the position, right? That's that's yes, you are. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, I was about to say something really, really bad or not really, really bad. But like I was I was about to call her out. Continuing forward. Practicing. You get better in the game when it's live, when the speed is real. You're just doing the repetition. You're just getting ready. You're just so you're learning how to so it, perfect. She made my she made my point for me. You're getting ready to play the position. So is he ready to play the position now? Is he? Is he as good as he going to be as he is going to be in the next five years? Is he at the apex of his career? If he's getting ready to play the position, that implies that he is not ready. It's almost as if you should potentially wait, wait to play the quarterback that you just drafted because, and by the way, Pittsburgh doesn't have a fucking offensive line to save their, to save their life. It's almost as if you should probably wait to get an offensive lineman or two and for Kenny Pickett to develop into the quarterback that you want and to learn your fucking offense before you send him out to the Wolves. And by the way, I, I just realized this. He plays in the AFC North. I talked about this with Justin Fields last year. I was like, wait, people want to play Justin Fields when he has to go up against, I think, the AFC North as well. So that's Miles Garrett. That's TJ Watt. That's Trey Hendrickson. And then, just to make shit worse, he had to go up against the NFC West. So he had to play up against the two hardest divisions in the NFL. Plus, um, Zadarius Smith didn't play last year, but if he was playing, he would have had to go up against him. He still does because he's now a Minnesota Viking and not a Green Bay Packer anymore. But he had to go up against Aaron Donald like his first or second week. Nick Bosa. Aaron Donald. Chandler Jones, if he was playing. And J.J. Watt. People are like, yeah, we, we want him to play his first season. All games. Behind a shitty offensive line. And then people are like, yeah, send Kenny Pickett out there without an offensive line. Against Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Odafe away. In Baltimore. And fucking Trey Hendrickson. In Cincinnati. Excuse me? When, in Joy Taylor's words, she said that all you're doing is getting ready, which implies that he is not ready. So if your quarterback is not ready and you're about to send him into the fucking meat grinder that is the AFC North, are you insane? Who writes this shit? Who is like, yeah, this is a good point that she's making. This is a great point that she's making. What? Who says this? Who wrote this? Doing it by practicing. You get better in the game when it's live, when the speed is real. You're just doing the repetition. You're just getting ready. You're just preparing. How you execute comes in games. And if you are not starting... And if you're starting, you execute terribly because you are not ready. Not playing, you're not getting better at that. And where the Steelers are as an organization right now, with a great defense, with weapons, 
with a Hall of Fame coach that's never had a losing season, with a very patient front office and owner. Buzzword, 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 right? Talk to me about, so first and foremost, right? You talked about your defense. None of that is going to help him when he's getting fucking slammed into the turf by Miles Garrett because the defense doesn't protect him. Mike Tomlin, last time I checked, he doesn't play offensive line. Last time I checked, he's not even a fucking offensive line coach or an offensive minded coach and a patient front office. Are you shitting me? Who is his left tackle? Maurice Pouncey, I think retired last year or this year. Hello? You guys with Najee Harris had like 3.4 yards per carry or something absurd like that. Let me look it up. Let me, let me be accurate here. Let me, I got time. Ladies and gentlemen, he had 3.9, slightly better, but still terrible. He had 1,200 yards, which every moron is going to clap it up. I'm not. Do you want to know why? Because Najee Harris should have had significantly more for the carries that he got. He got 307 carries. Are you insane? As a rookie, 1,200 yards. He should have somewhere close to 15. He's like, he has great weapons. He's not going to be able to find them because he's going to get destroyed. Great weapons, a patient front office, a Hall of Fame head coach. None of that shit will help him when he's getting his butt cheeks clapped on Sundays. Where the Steelers are as an organization right now with a great defense, with weapons, with a Hall of Fame coach that's never had a losing season, with a very patient front office and ownership group. Who's protecting him? They're going nowhere. Who's protecting him? Take some risks with Kenny Pickett. So my Who's protecting is, him? If they're equal. Who's protecting him? She's like, you got to take some risks with Kenny Pickett. Who's protecting him? None of that was offensive line against my, I'm, I'm not going to repeat my points anymore. I'm not going to repeat my points anymore. I've iced her up. It's time to fucking end. It's time to, it's time like Stephen Curry did to the fucking Boston Celtics to put her asleep. You can take some risks with Kenny Pickett. So my argument is, if they're equal at the end of training camp, Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, why would you not go with Kenny Pickett? If there's a massive gap at the end of training camp, then of course you would go with Mitchell Trubisky, who, despite all of the fantasies about Mitchell Trubisky's career, he is not as bad as you imagine. Okay, so now she's making a new horrendous argument. He is not as bad as you imagine? I love how I've like actually used, you know, statistics and good points and things of that nature to prove my points. He's not that bad. He's not that bad. <laughs> oh, God, they make it too easy for me. Never has had 4,000 yards or 3,500 yards. His completion percentage is all over the place. He, his touchdown interception ratio is essentially two to one, which is like, okay, in this league. It's actually good. It's actually good. Never had over 25 touchdowns. And uh, I mean, his two to one touchdown interception ratio is actually deceitful now that I look at it. Because three seasons, he has not thrown for over 20 touchdowns. One season, the 2018 season, which I think was the season where they went to the playoffs, that was the only season where he had 
over 20 touchdowns and he didn't even have 25. Passer rating has always been average to below average. His completion percentage has always been better than average, but completion percentage now isn't like a great statistic. It should be like mid to high 60s now. And it is, it's like 64.1% completion percentage, but he also hasn't played football in like a year. I love the fact that people are like, he's, he's going to be a great quarterback when people haven't seen him in a year. And he got ran out of Chicago as he should have because he was absolutely horrifyingly bad. And he didn't even have that much pressure on him in Chicago because at the end of his career in Chicago, they tried to run the shit out of the ball with his running backs and everybody's going to tell me, well, that's what they're going to do in Pittsburgh. Oh my God. Talk to me about who he's going up against as a defensive. Um, when it comes to the defensive lineman, DJ readers, one of the best run stuffing defensive tackles in the NFL, miles Garrett, Jeremiah, Wusukoromoa, Logan Wilson is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Baltimore always has run stuffing packages as a defense. You have Patrick Queen, Odafe away. Like, he's not as bad as you think. What? He was, in his division, the worst quarterback in his division when he was in the AFC, or excuse me, NFC North. In his new division, he is now the worst quarterback in his division. If Deshaun Watson plays, which he probably won't. I'll talk about his proposed suspension tomorrow because it's getting kind of late and I kind of forgot about it we'll talk about probably Deshaun Watson we'll probably talk more about Deshaun Watson in depth tomorrow how the fuck are you going to tell me that Mitchell Trubisky is better than I think he is when he was terrible what he really is not if you look at the statistics that he has put up throughout his career in we just did they're bad they're bad. But hold on. I don't want to cut her off a lot, even though that's kind of what I'm doing. I want to give her a chance to develop her arguments. So let's let her, uh, let's give her some rope to hang herself with. Risky's career, he is not as bad as you imagine. He really is not. If you look at the statistics that he has put up throughout his career in not the most functional situation either, he has had some success. He's 29, 21, 64 completion percentage, 64 to... Wait, 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 wait. So he's almost 500. We talked about his completion percentage. His passer rating is below average. No, 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 no. I should have I let her do this. I should have let her present to me shitty arguments. My bad. Let me go back and let me have her do this herself. Despite all of the fantasies about Mitchell Trubisky's career, he is not as bad as you imagine. <laughs> He really is not. If you look at the statistics that he has put up throughout his career in not the most functional situation either, he has had some success. He's 29, 21, 64 completion percentage, 64 to 37 touchdown interception ratio and a passer rating of 87. He's not a disaster. Yeah, no, no. If you know this, like she just quoted the statistics as, as if he's like, as if those statistics are good. The win loss is terrible. Okay. I mean, let me hold on. I think for the majority of his career, when it comes to his win-loss, he's been average. Yeah, so the only season that he had, like, a winning season where he could go to the playoffs was his second season where he went 11-3. and His rookie season, he went 4-8. and His third season, he went 8-7. and 
And then in Chicago in 2020, he went six and three. But the reality of the situation is, is that if he had played for the entirety of the season, he probably would have lost like five more games. His like statistics are incomplete. He really is like a 500 quarterback um, with an awesome defense, by the way. But sure, we can call the uh, the Bears dysfunctional. But it's just like, well, what do you think the offensive line for the uh, fucking Pittsburgh Steelers is? I would call it dysfunctional. Completion percentage we already addressed. His touchdown interception inter uh, ratio we already addressed. His passer rating is significantly below average. I think the average passer rating in the NFL is somewhere around like 93 point something percent. If you're down by like even a couple of points, you're a bad quarterback. He's down by like six points. He's a bad quarterback. But if it's close, you go with the you go with the rookie. You've got to get P Kenny Pickett the reps. If nothing else, just to see what you have in him, to see if you take another swing. I hate the whole, you see what you have in him. And it's just like, no, for media members to see what you have in him. It's the Mike Zimmer quote. It's the, it's the quote where he said, where somebody asked him about Kellen Mond. He's like, well, why don't, uh, why don't you play Kellen Mond? See what you have. Mike Zimmer responds with, uh, no, we're not going to play him this week. Media member asks him, well, why not? Mike Zimmer is like, I see him every single day in practice. You don't think they see what they have with whomever they pick or put out there? You don't think they know who how they play? They literally watch them in fucking practice. It is not this like, it is not this, um, what is it? It's not a thing in the pro leagues where you practice like shit and then you play like you're fucking Tom Brady in a game. That's not a thing. It's not. Practice is literally simulating what a game is. To a large degree. Not completely, but to a large degree. You've got to get P Kenny Pickett the reps. If nothing else, just to see what you have in him. To see if you take another swing in the draft next year or the year after that. Don't well, hold on a minute. Why the fuck are you going to take a swing? I mean, we've been on this for like God knows how long. I know. And really, I could have. I mean... I've decimated her. I'm going to decimate her more. But why would you, after knowing how bad rookie quarterbacks perform, why would you take another one after you just took Kenny Pickett this year? Why would you take another one next year? If you know that they perform terribly in their rookie season, why would you then take another one to more likely than not perform terribly in their rookie season it's almost as if you should wait to play your quarterback and have them develop into an actual professional before you play them it's almost as if that's a real thing because it is to see if you take another swing in the draft next year or the year after that don't sit tight and go with the safe choice which is mitchell trubisky just to stay competitive take the risk if they're close. Now, if they're not close, then we're maybe having another conversation about Kenny Pickett entirely. But that's what I would do because I am pro starting young quarterbacks and getting them real game experience as soon as you can. Joy yeah, it's not because you can't simulate that at all as a football team. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because that's, that's just...
That's just not a thing. It's not like we can have walkthroughs where we can simulate play calls and simulate the actual defense of the opposition doing the things that we want and actually simulate the game speed as well because we can have our players going full speed. But sure, fine. We can we can play pretend. Oh, gosh. Anyways, um, I'm out for tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. We will talk about Deshaun Watson's possible six to eight game suspension. I am really, really excited to talk about that because we're kind of getting a resolution a little bit here. And um, we'll probably talk about maybe the Draymond Green podcast and him calling out Kendrick Perkins, which was fun. Uh, except something other, something uh, something that happened that, I, that was not very good. We will talk about that as well. And maybe Formula One, Silverstone is coming out, or not coming coming out, it's coming up within the next couple of days. During the 4th of July weekend, I am uberly excited. And then obviously Stranger Things comes out in 24 hours. And add an additional more, add like an additional two more hours because it comes out, or no, three hours, excuse me. Add an additional three hours because it comes out, oh no, like two hours, like it's, like 12 20 12 56 right now so add like an additional two hours and four minutes and yeah well it's coming out in 24 hours and 24 hours nope 26 hours and now four minutes so excited to see what happens till tomorrow hope you have a fantastic day i'll see you next time